Oh yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision? We will always have enough cash yeah. around. Strictly business. Hello, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to bring inspiring finance leaders right into your earpods. Today, I'm speaking with Joe Garofalo. Joe has worked as a finance leader at companies like KPMG, Palantir, BarkBox, and Exony. He and his co-founders started Mosaic to build the next generation of finance software for CFOs and their teams. Today, Mosaic has achieved a 3.5 times increase in customer base, raised 46 million in funding with investors like General Catalyst and Founders Fund, and is deployed by the fastest growing technology companies worldwide. We spoke about the lessons learned working with the military at Palantir, his mission with Mosaic to unify company data, and why Salesforce is the single most important tool for CFOs, outside of Mosaic, of course. Today's episode is brought to you by Spendesk, the all-in-one spending solution that puts finance teams in control with 100% visibility into company spend. And by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.com and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.com with any questions or feedback. Joe Garofalo, welcome to CFO Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Excited to be here. We're very happy to have you, and I'd love for you to start just by telling us about your background and what's brought you to Mosaic. For sure. Uh, so I started my career actually in over in New York City in, in public accounting. So I was a KPMG alumni. Uh, I was working in the private equity tax structuring group there for about two years, uh, and then one day I got a, a LinkedIn message from a company in the Bay Area called Palantir. And they were like, hey, we think, you know, you might be able to help us build our finance team. So I was like, what is Palantir? Checked it out. Um, fell in love with the company because they were actually helping stop IED explosions, explosions in Afghanistan. And my, you know, best friend was a first lieutenant in the Marine Corps. And I was like, wow, this software can actually help save my buddy's life. So I packed up. I moved to California. I didn't know a soul. Uh, and I joined Palantir. And when I got to Palantir, um, I was given a lot of responsibility that I probably had no business having, which was, was really cool on the finance side and um, got to take Palantir from, you know, the early days of QuickBooks and uh, paper-based uh, bills and, and invoices all the way onto things like NetSuite and Salesforce and Kariba and Concur. And you kind of name it, we, we built it at Palantir along with all the models that went, went with, you know, raising billions of dollars in venture capital and um, we learned a lot during that process, and that process was was really eye opening. Right there, there weren't good tools out on the market to help people in finance go faster and build things and communicate with business partners in an efficient way. Um, so that was kind of really where the idea for Mosaic was born at Palantir, and um, we we essentially built the first version at Palantir, and it, it connected a lot of the cloud based tools that we use to run the business to a central database. We wrote a lot of code and. Um, that code kind of merged all those different data sets together and harmonized them so that we can essentially ask any question about the business and get a reliable answer rather quickly. Um, and when we built that thing, the rest of the business was like, hey, guys, how did, how did it take you three weeks to answer this question? And now you're able to answer it in 30 seconds. Like something's up, something's changed about you guys. Um, so people wanted access to the thing that we had built. So we put a front end on it and different department heads were then able to log in and 
um, see how their their business was trending, see what the hiring plans were. And it really changed the way that we at Palantir were able to make decisions. Um, and it also brought the finance team kind of to the forefront of these conversations that we otherwise, you know, maybe weren't invited to a couple of years earlier. So um, that's kind of the backstory. After Palantir, I was uh, the vice president of finance and accounting at a blockchain company in New York called Exani, uh, and then later at a, uh, a company called BarkBox, which had over a million active subscribers and, and sends uh, dog toys and treats to, uh, to dog owners. I have, in fact, heard of BarkBox through podcast advertising. So it's, it's fun to be talking to, speaking to you on a podcast Very now. cool, yeah. And, and at BarkBox, I mean, that was really where the idea that we had to go out and build Mosaic was cemented because when you have a million active subscribers and there is that much data that goes into producing the financials for the company, it's no longer a finance problem, right? It is now completely a data problem. And without the right technology to connect all of those payment processors, the ERP, um, the massive CRM, the inventory, you are going to be under your desk sleeping there five, six, seven days a week. Well, let's go into that in a bit more detail. How exactly, I'm sure we have listeners, you mentioned ERP, you mentioned massive CRM, alarm bells are ringing. How exactly does Mosaic solve that or or help to, to bring those silos together? Yeah. So the way that Mosaic solves this problem is actually, um, Pretty, pretty simple. Um, so you actually, with your admin credentials, can log into all of those underlying systems of record that you use to run the business every single day. And once you log in with your admin credentials, Mosaic will go over, get the relevant data from each system and bring it into the platform. And it's a lot more than just moving data from one place to the other, right? It's about how those data sets work together. So a quick example here is if you think about the idea of a customer, right? A customer will start in maybe your marketing system of record, which is typically HubSpot. Um, once that you know marketing contact becomes a lead, your sales team is going to pick it up and create an opportunity in Salesforce. If the sales team wins the deal, you know the finance team close one bad opportunity, now sends an invoice out of the ERP, and then that customer may pay you. And when they pay you, maybe that's through Stripe. So now that customer record is broken across four or five different systems. Um, so what Mosaic does that is really cool is we will join all of those data sets on that customer record so that you get a 360-degree view of everything that happened across that customer's life cycle. Um, and the customer is just one example, right? There's plenty of other examples, whether it's employees and departments or vendors. So that mapping process is really kind of how how the sausage is made behind the scenes that makes everything else possible. While we're on this, what what are a few other potential use cases or areas outside of the, you know, the customer journey, which you just described, are we talking things as well? Like, could I use it to manage payroll and equity or to, to visualize payroll? So you can, you can connect your HR systems. And when you connect your HR systems, you get really rich analytics about all your people. So you can look at, you know, the composition of employees Mm. by department. You can understand, you know, the percentage of payroll that's S and M versus R and D um, you can look at your full-time versus part-time employees by location. Um, and then more than just doing your analytics on your headcount, you could actually build a headcount forecast in Mosaic. So the, the tool is meant to be collaborative mm. so that finance could actually be out there um, talking to other departments, understanding hiring plans, building those hiring plans into the application. That way it produces you know, a forward-looking financial model for the business. And you had a nice... Um tagline I saw when I was reading up about um, Mosaic, um, the future of strategic finance. What does strategic yeah, that's, finance mean? that's a really mean? good question. Um, so, so to us, I think 
to, to, to talk about strategic finance, I think we need to understand the past a little bit. So um, in the past, finance mm-hmm. was understaffed. They're working hard behind the scenes, but generally are, are kind of in the back office. Um, and they're in the back office trying to tie the bow on last month or last quarter. And they don't really have too much technology that allows them to do these things quickly. So most of the time and the effort that the finance team is spending is on these lower value tasks that are backwards looking. Um, now is when you can enter in like the, the traditional FP&A function, financial planning and analysis. Um, that was you know, the finance team's attempt mm-hmm. to take a forward looking approach to what the business may look like. But that team still had a lot of the same challenges, which were, you know, the best technology they got was um, Microsoft Excel moving to the cloud in the form of Google Sheets. While, other, the, while every other department in the business is having this mm-hmm. software renaissance and getting technology that was allowing them to do more with less um, and be more efficient and more automated in their function, FP&A was kind of left in, in the dust. So when I think about strategic finance and what it means, it means the ability to um, speak the language of the rest of the business, your business partners, um, by collecting all of you know, their, the digital exhaust that their systems are producing and using that to inform strategic decisions that the business uh, will then go out and make because of the data that the finance team and the analysis that the finance team can provide holistically to the whole company. And the thing, I assume the thing that is holding people back from achieving that today is are those data silos where... They just don't have real-time access to... Exactly. I think, it's, I think it's the silos that is definitely a big part of it. And it, it's also the, the lack of automation and tooling that the teams have. Even if you can operate in those silos, um, it's still slow. It still takes too, too long to produce models. Everything is very um, fragile, even when you do build it in a, in a first-class way. Um, so it's about breaking down those silos, connecting the systems across the business and producing analytics and, and models at a speed um, that no one's seen before and that other people across the business can actually consume, right? I think one of the challenges that finance people have had in the past is we think in terms of you know dollars and cents, debits and credits, spreadsheets and cells and formulas, but the rest of the business doesn't think that way. So all of the finance tools in the past um, have catered to finance and accounting professionals and kind of ignored you know, the business partners and the people that need to consume and understand this data to make decisions from it. Um, So I think what makes Mosaic kind of unique here is the way we designed it was to invite other people from different department heads um, into the application so that they can consume the numbers in a way that will allow them to um, operate their section of the business more more efficiently. For the the business, how does that help the business grow? How does it help the business achieve its goals? Yeah, so I think a, a really good example, right, is... Um, VC-backed companies, it's, it's grow or die. They need to move quickly, right? Um, a big part of SaaS companies, especially VC-backed SaaS companies, their biggest portion of spend is, is people, right? And hiring people, especially in markets like today, is, is really tough. So you can build this awesome hiring plan that says we're going to scale to 100 people by the end of the year, but how, how close or how far behind or how on target are you to those hiring plans? Um, are you, you know, five people off where you expect it to be? Are you 10? And if you are 10 people off, what is, what are the ripple effects of being 10 people off? Right. So back to that first thing that I said, which is grow or die. If, if your, if your revenue model is predicated on hiring AEs and you need AEs to join the company and they need three months to ramp up before they can sell, 
um, and you're behind your hiring plans, that that's going to put your revenue uh, in jeopardy, right? So being able to see those things and get ahead of what it means to be where you think you are or, or where you uh, where you'd like to be in real time. And what do you say to the CFO who all of this sounds like a good idea, but I really can't be bothered or don't have time for another tool right now. I just spent six months getting the ERP going. Um, things essentially work today. Is it is it risky to bring in a, a new tool? Yeah, that's that's a really great question. And that, that one strikes a nerve uh, with me. So during our time at Palantir, we, we kind of used some of the legacy tools in the space. And exactly what you said, they took six to nine months to set up and build. And we were super proud of the work that we did to get those systems up and running. But again, once we showed them to the rest of the business, they kind of ran the other direction because it wasn't in their language. It wasn't something that they were going to sit down and do three months of training in. Um, so when we were thinking about the idea of Mosaic, we had to make it rapidly deployable. So that's why all you have to do is sign in with your admin credentials and do some light mapping and configuration to get the system up and running. Um, so what used to take six to nine months, we aim to uh, spin up in, in two to four weeks. Wow. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders, like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. Do I assume then as well that at least to begin with, it's uh, inflexible is the wrong word, but you, 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 you have something ready to go out of the box and then from there I can try to customize on top of that? Or is it pretty customizable from the get-go if that's what I wanted? It's getting more and more customizable. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we started the business, we've kind of moved from you know, smaller Series A-based startup companies to the mid-market. Um, and the mid-market is, is asking for more of that flexibility. Mm. So, yes, we do have metrics out of the box. In the very near future, you can actually go in and pull the levers and the knobs that, that make up those metrics. That way you can customize it and tailor it exactly to your business needs. So that flexibility is uh, you know, just a quarter away for us, and we're really excited about that. Um, but on the modeling side, the modeling side is completely flexible. So you can do any type of modeling that, that you may need, um, and that's totally up to the user. To go back to strategic finance for a second, I'm really interested in, in how you see that shift for CFOs and their teams uh, to go from reactive to strategic. What, are there any kind of crucial elements that a, a, a finance team needs to have to move from more reactive or basically um, you know, putting the data together to actually being a strategic force in the company? Yeah, I think I think in the early days, it's it's all about setting up the infrastructure and the technology in a way that will work for you rather than against you. So, so many times I'll, I'll meet finance teams and they'll say, yeah, our CRM data is a mess. And because our CRM data is a mess, we download the data, we manipulate it, we put formulas on it, we correct all of the mistakes. And now the system of record for their revenue or customer data is a spreadsheet that lives on someone's desktop. Mm. And that is a fine band-aid solution, but actually to address the real problem, 
you need to go go out to the business, work with the sales team, work with the marketing team, and actually correct the data within the CRM so that you're not maintaining these separate files outside of the system that, that won't scale. And when you can clean up the underlying systems of record, they will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you um, so that you can just export the data into a tool like Mosaic and spit out you know, your customer accounts, your ACVs, your ARR without having to do all of this manipulation that lives outside the system. Um, if you pick your technology stack the right way, a lot of those tools will integrate with one another and the data flows will be pretty, pretty seamless. Mm. Um, but if you don't set that up, you're, you're going to be doing a lot of the lower value tasks of manipulating data, formatting it, getting it ready for analysis versus actually focusing on what the numbers mean. And more importantly, that will leave you no time to focus on you know, what will the numbers be in the future. Yeah, as you were speaking then, I was thinking we will certainly have some CFOs listening to this thinking it's all well and good if we can trust the numbers in the CRM or in HubSpot or, or uh, wherever else in the payroll system. But what do we do if I can't trust those numbers? I need to go in and actually, I need a spreadsheet with all of the numbers where I can see them with my own eyes and guarantee that uh, they make sense to me. Yep, that's right. And it, it may not mean that you have to totally clean up the CRM from, from scratch, right? There are other tools that can augment that CRM cleanup. Uh, a good example of that, I'll give a plug to a, a company that we really like, uh, SAS Optics. So SAS mm. Optics will you know, link up to your CRM, and that will be your clean, trusted source of truth for your you know, ARR, your billings, and your collections data. Um, and you didn't have to just clean up every record in Salesforce. You only have to focus on those closed one deals um, versus, you know, the entire population. You are the second person I've spoken to in the last couple of days who mentioned SAS Optics specifically. So I think that means people need to take SAS Optics seriously. It's, it's a helpful tool for sure on the, um, the, the billing and the uh, invoicing side for sure. How do you think finance teams can have a more customer-centric uh, mindset? Yeah, I, I, we learned this really firsthand at Palantir. So Palantir had this concept of forward-deployed engineers, which meant that the engineers at Palantir would go out to the customer site and embed deeply with the customer and help them solve you know, their most challenging problems with the software. Mm. And we, we took that approach uh, onto our finance team as well. And finance at Palantir was about deploying to our customers, which were different department heads, and understanding how to make those parts of the business more efficient and providing the data that those leaders needed to make decisions. So when you think about um, your customers being department heads across the business, it means speaking their language. It means learning their three-letter acronyms. It means becoming a chameleon. Like you should never be the finance guy or girl that sticks out like a sore thumb, right? You want to be part of the team. And to be part of the team, you need to understand actually what makes the team tick. Um, you can't speak to people in, uh, you know, operating cash flow and, you know, net income because those terms are not going to resonate with department heads, right? You need to be on their level, speaking their language, translating their language into dollars and cents in a way that, uh, makes you effective. Um, and it really starts by, by understanding what's important to them. And on a, on a sort of similar theme, what makes a great CFO? Oh, that's, that's, that's a tricky question. There's, there's so many things, right? Um, I yeah. think... What do the great ones have in common? I think the great ones have in common a, a really good relationship with the CEO and the board. 
I think those are, are two things that I see the most in, in great CFOs. And the analogy I like to use is the CEO is in the driver's seat and he's driving this car and the CFO is, is their headlights. And it's the CFO's job to show the CEO the road ahead and show where the potholes may be um, and keep us you know, on, on the fastest route to get there. Um, I think when you have that dynamic, the CFO is heavily involved in the strategic decisions that the CEO wants to make and is giving you know, the most heads up possible to the CEO on what may or may not happen based on the decisions that, that uh, they would like to make. What's the future for, for Mosaic? What's the next kind of challenge that you need to overcome? Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, we aspire to be like those, those uh, legacy players in, in the space, um, the Anaplans, the adaptives of the world. We view ourselves as kind of like the finance 3.0 uh, of the planning tools. Um, mm. It means more data connections, right? We, we called the company Mosaic because all of these point solutions that emerged over the last couple of years, the HRIS, the ERPs, the billing systems, um, the payment platforms, there's more point solutions that are near and dear to financial modeling and analytics that, that people in finance need. Um, some of those tools are things like applicant mm-hmm. tracking systems, Lever and Greenhouse. So more integrations there. Um, we're starting to see this world where um, digital native companies are, are running their entire operation on Snowflake. So we need to be able to integrate with internal company data from Snowflake that we can then use for analysis. And that may be product metrics, right? It may be usage data. Um, it may be consumption billing data that we need to pull in. Um, so more integrations. We talked about flexibility, the ability to go in and tweak the levers and the knobs and customize um, any metric or any calculation to your liking um, and more collaboration notifications. Um, so there's a lot in the works for us that we're really excited about. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. And before we get to our quickfire questions, you raised, you have raised so far forty-six million in funding. How have you found that process personally? Um, I've enjoyed it. I think it's really fun to get out there and to, to share your vision with some of the best investors in the world. And I think um, for us, we, we lived the pain, right, for a decade. We were, we were CFOs, we were VPs, we were in the seat doing this work. And I don't know how you can build a company in this space if you haven't really felt that pain viscerally. And I think um, communicating that pain mm. to the investors uh, was, was a fun process. Uh, that, was, that was definitely exciting about all the things that we wanted to go out there and fix. So mostly fun, I'm sure, with a bit of stress thrown in. Yeah, I mean, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? I think the startups are hard. That's that's goes without saying. Okay, I want to turn now to our quickfire questions, which with which we like to finish episodes. And the first question, I think I'm going to know the answer to this, but what is one finance tool you couldn't live without? Salesforce. Interesting. 
Go, go on. Why, why is Salesforce so critical? Uh, Salesforce is so critical, and I think a lot of people, uh, or a lot of finance people are a bit afraid of it, but there is so much good data there in terms of win rates, ACVs, mm-hmm. pipeline, close one customer counts, contract starts and end dates, everything that you need for your revenue reporting. Um, there's just so much rich data that if you, if you spend the time to really learn the system, um, it's, it's an advantage. I think it's, it's becoming pretty clear that to be a successful finance leader, you really need to have CRMs firmly in your brain. You need to know your way around the CRM. Exactly. And um, I think there's, there's been a whole new function that's been born, which is sales ops and rev ops. Um, mm-hmm. And I think those functions were born out of necessity because finance was so bogged down with the ERP data and the accounting data that they were never actually able to focus on the CRM data, which has got all of the rich top line information that you need. Um, so I think mm-hmm. those functions were born out of like, you know, the, the strapped nature of, of finance teams today. If there was one part of your day today you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? Um, bookkeeping. Transaction recording. Yeah, you, you haven't found the, the right sort of automation to, to take that off your shoulders? Um, other than, than people um, and good outsourced firms, yeah. that, that they've been mm. the best. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, I'm going to have to think about that one for a second. I'll come back to that one. Let's, let me think about that one for a second longer. Sure, this might help to jog your memory then. Which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly? Um, Colin Anderson is, is the person I'll go to. He was the CFO of Palantir. He was kind of where, where we learned and cut our teeth, and he, he showed us the ropes um, and taught us a lot about what it meant to be a world-class finance team. And he forced us to, to focus uh, on becoming technical because the finance team at Palantir was never going to be this, you know, giant, massive organization. We always wanted to keep it lean and to keep it lean, we needed to mm. sharpen our technical skill sets. And, um, he actually was the one who taught us about this customer service mindset in finance. And we still catch up regularly and he's, he's a, a large investor in our company as well. Um, before we go, have you had any brainwaves on the advice? It's totally fine if you haven't. Um, I, I put you on the spot. Yeah, I think a, <laughs> one that's, that stands out a lot lately is just be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, that is has been like the startup motto that, that's been in my head for the last three years mm. is um, everything it, you're doing everything for the first time. And it's okay to, to not know all the answers um, as long as you're, you're working hard and doing what you think think is the, is the best thing, uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Mm, I really like that. Joe Garofalo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Patrick. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.